flattening. Um, I think the market will continue to watch it. I think equity markets tend to look at the 10-year part of the curve, and that has crept up uh, back towards 1.7, but has since come off. Um, and if that continues to persist up through that 1.7, up towards 2%, then I think equity markets will definitely have to react to it. Okay, Toby, thank you very much. Have a great weekend. That's Toby Lawson, the CEO of Society General India. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a final look at equity markets in Asia for the weekend, for the month. In Australia, first of all, the ASX 200 now slipping into negative territory, down 0.4%. The K225 in Japan is also down now, about 0.9%. The Cosby in South Korea uh, is up 0.4%. Futures markets indicating still uh, more or less flat open for the Hang Seng in just under an hour's time. In the quantities markets, Brent crude oil is at $83.69 a barrel and gold is trading at $1,799 an ounce. Thank you very much for listening this week. Do have a great weekend. Please join me again on Monday morning. Stay tuned for Back Chats with Janice Wong and Andrew Work in just a moment. The weather forecast for today, cloudy in the morning and at night, mainly fine during the day, a maximum temperature of around 28 degrees. And the outlook is it will be cloudy with one or two rain patches over the weekend, sunny periods early next week. It's 25 degrees right now, 81% relative humidity. It's 8.31 and a half. Here's Barry O'Rourke with the news. President Biden has announced a framework agreement on economic reform worth nearly two trillion U.S. dollars. It's the culmination of months of tough negotiations within his Democratic Party. The president quipped that not everyone got everything they wanted, not even me. In a televised address just before he left for two major summits in Europe, Mr. Biden said the plan included the greatest ever American investment towards fighting climate change. It's a framework that will create millions of jobs, grow the economy, invest in our nation and our people, turn the climate crisis into an opportunity and put us on a path not only to compete, but to win the economic competition for the 21st century against China and every other major country in the world. It's fiscally responsible. It's fully paid for. Senior oil executives have denied in testimony to a U.S. congressional committee that they or their companies deliberately misled the world about climate change. They said their understanding of global warming had developed over time. Darren Woods is the CEO of ExxonMobil. ExxonMobil has long recognized that climate change is real and poses serious risks. But there are no easy answers. As the International Energy Agency has said, oil and gas will continue to be necessary for the foreseeable future. We currently do not have the adequate alternative energy sources. The chair of the House of Representatives Oversight Committee, the Democrat Carolyn Maloney, accused the industry of a coordinated campaign to mislead the public and derail global efforts to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Questioned if they would allow an independent audit to check whether they were funding climate denial groups, none of the executives said yes. Facebook is changing its corporate name to Meta. The move is designed to represent the brand as it expands beyond social networking and develops plans for a virtual world known as the Metaverse. It was announced by the CEO, Mark Zuckerberg. I am proud to announce that starting today, our company is now Meta. Our mission remains the same. It's still about bringing people together. Our apps and their brands, they're not changing either. And we are still the company that designs technology around people. He said that from now on, the company would be Metaverse first, not Facebook first. The company has faced criticism that its algorithms promote misinformation and polarization. 
A 53-year-old motorcyclist has died in a traffic accident in Tsingyi. The man was heading along Container Port Road just before midnight when he hit a stationary vehicle. He was sent to Princess Margaret Hospital with head injuries and was certified dead shortly afterwards. There will be more news on the hour from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Janice Wong and your co-host today is Andrew Work. Good, Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Janice. Ready to rock and roll. Today we're talking about calls to ban discrimination against mainlanders and what's in store for the food and beverage industry this Halloween. First, the government's working on legal changes to the race discrimination ordinance so that it covers people from the mainland. Some pro-establishment councillors have been lobbying for the move for years. And now officials are aiming to come up with a blueprint before the end of this administration's term. It's got the support of Equal Opportunities Chief Ricky Chu, but some legal experts are warning that it's important not to go too far to avoid affecting freedom of speech. So what's the right balance? And are there enough protections for ethnic minority groups in the first place? After 9.15am, we're joined by Alan Zeman to look at what the F&B industry expect for the Halloween weekend. Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page. Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 23388266. That's uh, 23388266. And uh, now to kick off our discussion this morning on the uh, ban to uh, discriminate on, on uh, calls on bans on calls to ban discrimination against mainlanders we have on the line um, Ricky Ju the uh, chairman of the Equal Opportunities Commission and uh, Regina Ip the chairwoman of the New People's Party will be joining us shortly good morning to you Mr Ju good morning Janice and good morning, um, uh, it's, it's Andrew today but yes thanks for joining us this morning and welcome to Backchat sure. So, um, Mr. Ju, why do you think a, a law is needed now to protect mainlanders uh, from discrimination in Hong Kong? Uh, because the discrimination or and harassment and verification, etc., against the immigrants from mainland in Hong Kong has been really um, long in existence. And it's been aggravated or put into sharp focus since the latter half of 2019, so uh, about two years ago. Um, so in the, in the year of uh, 2020, we commenced a legal research uh, to study into the, the subject. And the study was completed in March this year, and uh, we compiled uh, uh, put some proposals uh, for the government to consider in how to tackle this problem. Gotcha. I mean, you know, it seemed like, I, I would have argued the peak was even earlier than that when people were taking out ads in the newspapers about locusts and things like that. Um, is, is racism really the right thing to call it, or are we lacking another word? Are we are we lacking a definition for this that uh, you know, that, that can maybe captures what's happening a little bit better? Uh, I think it is um, it is really a pressing issue now, and uh, legislation uh, is the right direction um, because this is a problem of discrimination, harassment, and verification, which in nature uh, tally with what. Um, what the existing uh, race discrimination ordinance are trying to uh, contain or regulate. Mm -hmm. um, the problem of the inadequacy of the current law is that it does not cater for such behavior between peoples of the same uh, race or same ethnic uh, or region. Mm -hmm. 
And, and what kind of behaviors are you trying to get a handle on? Because, I mean, there's, there's overt acts of discrimination. And, you know, then there's the things that are like a subtle undercurrent that are much harder to detect. Uh, in fact, along the same line as the existing provision do, uh, we, we try to regulate, uh, say, uh, discriminatory practice, i.e. Uh, different treatment uh, rendered to uh, Hong Kong uh, citizens, uh, new immigrants, uh, from mainland, and also uh, the issue of harassment, uh, both verbal and behavioral, and, uh, and uh, if more seriously, uh, verification, also uh, both verbal and behavioral. So, Mr. Ju, you're saying the, the existing race discrimination ordinance is uh, not enough to protect mainlanders, and now the Commission has proposed an amendment to the ordinance. Uh, yeah. What does it involve? Um, because we want to clarify and fill the gaps of the existing uh, race discrimination ordinance, uh, which uh, it says that discrimination, or harassment, or verification between people uh, are illegal. But it is actually silent on whether the discriminator and the discriminatee should be of the same uh, ethnic origin or should they be in a different ethnic origin. Traditionally, uh, the majority view is that obviously for racial discrimination to be applicable, uh, the discriminator and the discriminatee must be of a different race. But in fact, the law is silent on this. So we want, what we propose is that we should make a clarifying clause in the existing ordinance, specifying that it is also illegal for such behavior to be happened between people of the same race or same ethnic minority, uh, same ethnic uh, origin. So uh, we, we term it as intra-race discrimination. We think this should be, it should be made illegal as well. All right. And of course, uh, on top of that, we also propose um, some other options, uh, like adding two protected characteristics, uh, one concerning uh, residency status and the other concerning uh, regional origin. All right. I've got a comment on a back chat here. Um, I'll just read it out and see if you, you can answer the, the questions, uh, Mr. Ju. Um, sure. TC, he says, uh, this call to ban discrimination on mainlanders will do nothing but open another can of worms, causing even more controversy to Hong Kong. For example, will it be considered discriminatory to publicly mock the Chiu Chao accent of, uh, for example, Li Kaohsiung, who is born on the mainland? Or will it be discriminatory for a company to not hire a mainland Chinese who can't speak clear Cantonese, the uh, prevalent Chinese dialect of Hong Kong? And uh, Bill here, he says, how will they define a mainlander? I, I don't think uh, such a suggestion uh, has any, any truth in it. Simply because if we talk about difference in treatment, it's already in the existing discrimination ordinances that such discriminatory practices are illegal, but only that the applicability is on people uh, of different ethnic origin or different race. And now we just want to clarify that in fact this kind of behavior are illegal, even if it happens between people of the same race and ethnic, uh, ethnic group. So really, it, we are not adding anything new in essence or expanding the scope of discrimination. 
but we just clarify that it should also be applied so that the law can effectively deal with uh, this problem. So, I mean, we had some very specific examples in there, like if you make fun of somebody's accent. Well, the, the, the simple answer is that to prove an offense, you need to prove both mens rea and the actus rea. Tell us so about, tell us about whatever, the reas whatever beha- whatever for non-lawyers. Action, you take, say, you, are, you, you mock and somebody, uh, you say words that somebody feel uncomfortable, etc. Whether it is harassment, verification, or discrimination, depends on the, whether there are proof on the mens rea, whether you intend to do so. For, for, the, for the non-lawyers, tell us what mens rea is. on how the law is uh, worded and how it is investigated and how it is uh, interpreted or uh, what proof can we obtain. Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah, so it, 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 is, it is no reason to say that uh, the example of making a mockery on somebody would automatically uh, render him guilty or not guilty. It depends mm. on the circumstances. Mm. Okay. And Mr. Chi, I know your commission has uh, been receiving uh, quite a lot of complaints uh, over the past few years uh, over discrimination against uh, mainlanders. Can, can you um, tell us uh, how many exactly and what are they about usually? Well, uh, because the, uh, the existing law does not cater for this, uh, this kind of scenario and also uh, is aggravated by the fact that in most of the complaints or reports that we receive, uh, concerning uh, this scenario, uh, we don't actually have any aggrieved person standing out or stepping forward to further assist the, the inquiry or, or the investigation, etc. Um, talking about numbers, it varies a lot um, with the flow of current events. I'll give you an example. I recall that in the latter half of uh, 2019, uh, there was one uh, incident that uh, um, a mainland Chinese was uh, tied up, beaten up in the, in the airport, etc. And followed by some incidents that people speaking Putonghua are being scolded in the street or being chased after, etc. We received hundreds of similar reports. Mm-hmm. But then uh, we don't really have any, any aggressive person telling us of her, uh, his or her personal experience. So, so none of the complaints you've received has uh, led to any litigation then? Uh, no, because it is uh, not within our jurisdiction. So even if we got a greater person, we may not be able to do uh, any legal proceedings, etc. But at least we can uh, further pursue the matter uh, a little bit. But without a great person, we can't even start. So you're saying with all these complaints... There's no aggrieved person actually complaining. It's, it's third parties that weren't involved were complaining about what they perceived as some kind of discrimination. Uh, what we got are uh, onlookers reporting to us what they've seen in the street or what they've seen in the news. Uh, on occasions, we do have people who claim they are, they are aggrieved persons, uh, but when we try to contact them, asking them to come up and step forward, uh, we don't have uh, a positive response. Do, do, are you worried you might unleash a whole nation of busybodies that are launching complaints because, it, you know, they saw two people having a fight in the street and they went, oh, this must be discrimination. And they launch a complaint and you go looking for 
somebody who was actually affected by it. And it turns out it wasn't discrimination. It was just two people having an argument in the street, which, trust me, happens all the time in Hong Kong. People are pretty I feisty. I what you mean, but we didn't, we didn't, uh, we didn't go that far because uh, if we don't have an aggrieved person uh, who stand up and uh, give us the further details, uh, we simply cannot act. The, the law just empowers us to act if there is a, an aggrieved person. Because we act on civil lines, and we are uh, what we do are uh, representing the the aggrieved person uh, to pursue the case uh, if justified. Mm-hmm. So we don't we don't we don't even know about that. We, we got a report saying that uh, one person discriminating the other in the street uh, because uh, the other one is uh, mainland Chinese, etc. But without an aggrieved person telling us more details. All right. There's simply no ground for us to act. All right. Yes. Uh, let's uh, let's bring in uh, Regina Ip now, an executive councillor and a chairwoman of the New People's Party. Um, good morning to you, and welcome good to morning. Backchat. Good morning. Good morning. So, good morning, so, Mrs. Ip. Good so, morning. So the Secretary for um, Constitutional and Mainland Affairs, uh, Eric Zhang, uh, he said his bureau would come up with a legislative blueprint on banning discrimination against mainlanders before the end of this current government term. Mrs. Ip, what do you think the government needs to watch out for when uh, coming up with the blueprint? Well, actually, um, um, discrimination is prohibited under Article 1 of the Hong Kong Bill of Rights Ordinance, which is identical to... Um, Article 2 of the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights and Article 14 of the European Convention on Human Rights. Um, discrimination against mainland um, immigrants or new arrivals should have been prohibited years ago. We have been complaining about that in LegCo for many years. I have received a lot of complaints about school children being discriminated from the mainland, and even in universities, mainland students are actually discriminated against. So I think uh, it is really high time the government should legislate against it. Well, there are people who keep talking about um, new anti-discrimination laws would give rise to uh, reverse discrimination. I think people use this sort of label uh, too carelessly. For example, we have sex discrimination ordinance, disability discrimination ordinance for two decades. Has there been any discrimination against healthy people? I don't think so. So I think um, we we should do it. And it's okay so long as the bill is drafted in a precise way. We we, we should do it. But but how um, easy would it be? I mean, some legal experts, uh, they're warning it's uh, important that uh, changes to the anti-discrimination ordinance uh, should not go too far to avoid uh, affecting freedom of speech. Uh, What are your thoughts on that, Mrs. Ip? I disagree with that. I'm very surprised legal experts uh, make this point. Um, uh, If you look at the book, The Rule of Law by Lord Bingham, he said that... um, the discrimination article in, in these human rights uh, laws is very broad, very comprehensive. The examples given uh, prohibiting the discrimination on the basis of color, race, uh, etc., are only examples. You know, you, in, in other countries, there are laws against discrimination against people with different sexual orientation. You know, we could enact laws. Uh, uh, against um, 
discriminating against people with uh, poverty, birth, political views, all these are possible under the law. I think these so-called legal experts have to be more precise about their reservation. Mrs. Ip, I remember um, you attracted some unwanted attention a few years ago when you wrote something on social media about uh, Filipino helpers and was at that time accused of being racist. So how do you think the right balance can be achieved between the right to free speech and the right to be treated equally without uh, prejudice, uh, which, which are both very important? Actually, I did not make any accusation at all. I only raised a question, you know. If people look at my article, it finished with a question mark, not an assertion. I think there was a wrongful accusation against me, but under the EOC's ordinance, there was mediation, you know. EOC arranged a mediation session in which I met with my accusers and explained to them uh, what precisely did I mean. Uh, they did not. Uh, they were not uh, Chinese readers. They did not read the Chinese text. They only read, read some sort of English translation, which was inaccurate. So the issue was resolved, you know. But if they had had recourse to a law at the time, I mean, could they have launched a prosecution, showing an example of how maybe the law could go too far? Uh, but uh, those people did not hesitate to complain to the EOC. And the EOC has a compulsory mediation session requirement. I think the, the chairman, uh, Mr. Chu, had confirmed that. Uh, people could could not take me to the court so easily. Mm. You know, I think there's a lot of double standards. Whereas some so-called human rights uh, uh, advocates were keen to take me to to the courts. You know, those who have reservations uh, against um, uh, discriminate prohibiting discrimination against mainland immigrants make the opposite points. I think there's clearly double standards in display on this issue. Mm. Mr. Ju, so, so what do you yeah. think? How should a right balance be achieved? Well, um, I agree entirely with Mrs. Yip's observation that uh, any criticism that the law may be too draconian or adversely affects uh, freedom of speech, etc., are groundless. Uh, what we need is a law precisely worded to cater for the problem. And unless you, unless you draft the, uh, the wording uh, lousily, it, it won't have that effect. And as I also mentioned, to prove an offense, you need to prove man's rear and actor's rear. So it would not be a simple scenario that somebody said something or done something and you presume that it's discriminatory and then you automatically find that person guilty. It's not that simple. Mm. When you talk about the precision of the language, uh, before Regina Ip came on, you talked about this concept of intra uh, intra-racism or intra-race intra intra discrimination. Uh, do you think the law will be drafted to prevent discrimination against mainlanders, or to will it be an ordinance against intra-race, uh, uh, intra-racism? Or uh, uh, if you if you ask for my personal preference, of course I say uh, the law uh, must be equal in every every sense. And intra-race discrimination, actually, in my view, is a scenario that can happen to each and every race or each and every uh, ethnic or regions uh, throughout the world. So all we need to do is to, to draft the wording uh, precisely. Of course, if there are any uh, further considerations as to how the law should cater for the exact uh, scenarios uh, in Hong Kong, 
then uh, there may be some other additional provisions that um, that the law draftsman need to think of. So if I think it's I'm funny, it's which, okay. Yeah. So if I think I'm funny, which I'm probably not, but if I if I get on here and I do a Newfoundland accent, I'm from Canada. I'm a white guy from Canada, and I do a Newfoundlander accent. I think I'm funny. I mean, could could somebody from Newfoundland in Hong Kong say, "I think he was that was intra racism because he was making fun of my my people." Well, uh, language is different from uh, ethnic origin or race. Language is not a protected characteristic. So, really, if you you uh, make a mockery on somebody's uh, languages or dialects, it it is outside the, the jurisdiction. And it is also um, outside the bound that we are talking uh, at the moment. Unless we enact anti-discrimination law prohibiting discrimination on the basis of language, yeah. which is referred to in the Hong Kong Bill of Rights Ordinance. In fact, I, I think there should be anti-discrimination law prohibiting discrimination of people with different sexual orientation. But I think our government is too conservative to take that up. And uh, Mr. Ju, I've got a few messages here again. Uh, yeah. I hope you don't mind answering them. Uh, this is uh, one from Bill. He uh, He's still uh, hoping that you can give him a, uh, an answer on uh, how um, to define mainlanders. And uh, this one, another message from Andrew. He wants to know if... Uh, uh, not me. Yes, another Andrew. He wants, to know, he wants to know if uh, guaylo is a racially uh, abusive term. Oh my God, Janice, you said the G word on radio. Oh, no. Well, well actually, this kind of uh, question is not new. I mean, uh, the terms guaylo uh, or acha or whatever uh, perceived to be negative uh, representation to describe someone's uh, background. Uh, has been an old issue. The point is always that the circumstances under which you use this kind of representation, is it intended to be discriminatory? Or is it intended to be uh, something else like a joke or even a friendly remark? I mean, for, uh, for example, uh, I used to work in, a, in an organization where we have a lot of uh, expatriate officers. In fact, I think all of them, wouldn't mind if we call them guaylo. It has become so accustomed that it is not offensive at all. But then, of course, you cannot avoid some someone uh, who comes from afar thinks otherwise. So it all depends on how the receiving party and the party who offers that remark's uh, intention or, or their responses are. And we can only sort out the issue when we got a specific case. And yeah. we can deal with that professionally. Yeah, like if I if I walk if I walk into the FCC and the you know the waiters think it's hilarious every time I walk in and I go guaylo yum guaylo because there's a beer that is now called guaylo. Yeah. It's actually quite popular in Hong Kong. But if somebody says wow, let's see see guaylo and they're they're angry, I mean then it's different. So, yeah, a lot of guaylo call themselves guaylo. Sure, know? I yeah. do all the time. Fun, yeah. you know? <laughs> they like to mock themselves for fun. You know? Yeah, yeah, it, um, it's never offensive actually. Yeah. yeah. If, I, if I could, if I could uh, respond to the point about freedom of speech, you know, I think in UK there are already six or seven acts criminalizing using language, you know, uh, to the, the to distress to cause distress to somebody or harass somebody purely because of his race, color, religion, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Hate speech is about, you know, language, you know. 
So freedom of speech is not absolute. I think not only UK, other countries, Germany, I think also have legislation prohibiting hate or hate speech that causes distress or harassment. Do, do you worry that we might start to import a, ver- a very American-style culture where you've got micro people complaining about microaggressions and snowflakes and all this kind of all this kind of stuff? I mean, it does really seem to be something that is, uh, you know, when it, when it kind of goes too far, um, it seems oh, feels you, like a very American you, phenomena. Are you referring to sort of me too phenomenon or no? That's a different more micro. Yeah. More, all, all these like. Microaggressions, and every time a professor says something that somebody takes the slightest offense to, then you know there's a big there's a big war on campus about it, especially campuses. It seems, I mean that that whole that whole American the, culture of freaking out about every little thing all the time. Yes, yes, I, I'm aware of this. I had a problem um, one time some years ago when there was a a black businesswoman. Uh, and I made a speech referring to men, and she complained to me that I've left out women. You know. Anyway, people could make these complaints, but the U.S. because their constitution uh, has, um, um, I think they they have First Amendment about freedom of expression. U.S. constitution is uh, very robust on freedom of religion and freedom of expression. So I don't think they have any hate laws. You know. I don't think they could easily enact legislation to prohibit uh, comments, you know, that could give offence. All right, Mr. Zip, um, we'll have to take a short break for the news summary very soon. And uh, Mr. Zip, I know you have to go. So thank you very much again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Regina Ip, Executive Councillor and Chairwoman of the New People's Party. And uh, Mr. Chu, you will be staying with us for a bit longer so we can discuss more later. And uh, after the news, we'll be joined by Phyllis Trung from Hong Kong Unison and also Silei Shan, the Deputy Director of the Society for Community Organisation. And uh, just a quick look at the weather, mainly fine during the day with a top temperature of around uh, 28 degrees, winds moderate east to northeasterlies. Right now it's 25 degrees and uh, the relative humidity is uh, 80%. And was certified dead shortly afterwards. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Friday morning with uh, Andrew Work and me, Janice Wong. Let's go straight back to our discussion on calls to ban discrimination against mainlanders. And uh, just a reminder, if you have any questions or comments, uh, feel free to contact us. Our email is backchat at rthk.hk. Our telephone number is 233-88266. And our Facebook page is Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Now, um... On the line, or while still with us on the line, is uh, Ricky Ju, the uh, chairman of the Equal Opportunities uh, Commission. And uh, also joining us now is Phyllis Cheung, the executive director of Hong Kong Unison. And also Silai Shan, the deputy director of the Society for Community Organization. Welcome to Backchat. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Um, before, we, before we go back to our discussion, I've got a few um, emails let me just uh, read them out first. Uh, it says, Dear Backchat, and, and this one is from Rebecca, with the apparent, uh, she says, uh, with the apparent renewed interest in discrimination, will more effort be put into stamping out racism against those of other ethnic origins? Many people in Hong Kong are openly racist against black and South Asian people, and this seems to go unopposed. And this one from Bill, it says, uh, he says, uh, race and ethnicity are not appropriate words to differentiate Hong Kong people from mainland people. So, um, 
First of all, I mean, Mr. Chu, what do you think? Should we should should the real, real focus be on the mainlanders, or should we also cover um, ethnic minorities? Well, uh, ethnic minorities have already been covered very clearly in the race discrimination ordinance. So any discriminatory practice or harassment verification uh, against ethnic minorities in Hong Kong uh, is. Uh, can already be uh, effectively dealt with in the ordinance. Um, but the same does not apply to um, people from mainland because the law uh, is not clear enough uh, to cover, um, the, to protect the mainland, uh, mainland community from uh, being discriminated in Hong Kong. And uh, Phyllis Chung, you're you're also uh, on the line now. Uh, good morning right. to you. I know I know you wanted to uh, talk to uh, the EOC about amendments to the race right. discrimination ordinance because of concerns over a lack of protection of ethnic minorities against discrimination here. So um, Ricky Chu is here. What would you like to ask him? Um, yes, uh, thank you, um, uh, Mr. Chu. But I do not agree on what you just mentioned that ethnic minorities have been covered under the ND, um, the RDO. Um, the fact that nationality and citizenship um, or nationality and immigrant status is actually not covered under the RDO. And many of our ethnic minority residents in Hong Kong or um, even um, migrant domestic workers or asylum seekers, um, they actually uh, do suffer from uh, differential treatment because of their immigrant status and because of their nationality. And um, I just want to, uh, you know, point out uh, when one asks for an identity card, an ID card, if you do not have three stars, then they can tell automatically that you are not a Chinese citizen, um, that you do not hold a Chinese um, SAR passport. And for uh, listeners here, um, I think most of you would know that uh, um, non-Chinese persons, even if they are born in Hong Kong, uh, do not automatically get um, a Chinese nationality. Uh, so it depends on, you know, their parent status and depends if they have a bloodline of, um, you know, Chinese. So um, many circumstances, uh, we, we, you know, we hear complaints from our ethnic minority residents that they actually are being um, discriminated. For example, um, during house rental, um, people would ask them for, you know, an ID card. Uh, or even a passport. And if they do not hold um, uh, uh, SAR passport or they do not have three stars on their ID card, they automatically say, oh, I'm sorry, we don't rent to people who are not Chinese nationals or who are not, um, you know, holding Hong Kong SAR passport. And we've got, you know, a lot of cases on that. And earlier... What, why is um, that? Are they, are they afraid people are going to skip out on the rent? No, because, um, well, there are different reasons. It's, it's more on racial grounds. But um, real estate agents and other landlords actually know this loophole in the law, right? So if they refuse somebody based on nationality, so they're not even going to pretend showing houses or showing apartments to these um, people looking for houses. Um, they would just straight away say, oh, I'm sorry, we don't rent to, we don't rent to you know, non-SAR um, passport holders then they skip all that um, problem, uh, all that trouble of going through, you know, with the landlord or going, you know, from apartment to apartment and finding them a suitable place that landlords would rent to them. Um, this is basically, uh, and Mr. Ju also wrote about two weeks ago on the newspaper that this is racial discrimination. It is racial discrimination, but because there's this loophole in the law, um, landlords, real estate agents, people are using this loophole as an excuse to turn them away. 
And I would, um, I would also mention, you know, earlier, a few years ago, banks have also been, you know, especially frontline staff, the sensitivity of frontline staff was a bit low. And if they see an ID card without three stars, they would, you know, um, actually deter um, customers uh, away because there could be more work done in terms of, um, especially with the anti-money laundering law, right, AMLO, the ordinance. They would have to, you know, go for more checks with people from certain countries, and they feel there's a lot of work for them, and it may not be worth their time. Um, That's very common. I mean, uh, most banks won't take take American clients now for that reason. Yes, yes, exactly. So, um, I mean, banks have their own... um, have their own, uh, um, they, they, they would say they have to follow AMLO. But how far do they go if, you know, we've got um, a letter from from our, um, um, from from the employer. We have an employer's letter. Uh, so how, how far can banks go denying somebody who doesn't have an SAR passport? So that's why we said nationality immigrant status. Um, it's very much related to what, um, EOC or what the um, the, uh, the government is trying to amend. This is residency status, and residency does affect um, ethnic minorities in general. It's not just affecting um, new new arrivals from mainland or mainlanders. Mr. Ju, what's your response? Well, um, I think uh, the issues are being mixed <laughs> because, well, um, there are several issues I want to talk about. Uh, first, about the uh, nationality aspect or uh, people getting a check on the street for ID cards, uh, whether they are, uh, they are holding a free star or not. Um, this has been, uh, has been to, to do with what our nationality law or our immigration laws are. Uh, sorry, and I'm not talking about ID checks. It does, not, it does not mean that our law no, in it's, terms it's of discriminatory treatment uh, is inadequate. It's two entirely two different things. Well, she says she's talking more about banking and housing. Banking, housing, and even with your um, the EOC discrimination law review report, um, you've got some complaints on, for example, construction workers, which is quite common, although Unison has not received any complaints, that once they see their ID card without a three-star, um, their working conditions are worse, and the contract is less favorable compared oh, well, to. Well, I don't think we need to go star. into that kind of details. The, well, the, this, this is the grounds that I said. Reality that the grounds that I said discriminate our discrimination ordinance is adequate. It's not. It's based on one one most important issue that anybody who felt being discriminated because of his or her background. As an ethnic minority, he can lodge a complaint. And it's then not because the of EOC the will no, look, into the, the look into the cases. Well, you will not invite, look into the cases. Invite them not to lodge a complaint. Mm. Please, simple. You've got complaints. It's on your report. And we have been dealing with these complaints for years. We never see any difficulties. If they are justified, then we will take action. If they can be conciliated, we would do so. And Simple. Yes, All Hughes, the procedures are here. Don't yes, mix yes, up the Hughes. issue of no, I did not the success or failure of one single case or a bunch of cases to improve.
implies that the law is ineffective. It's two different issues. No, because it doesn't cover nationality, citizenship, and also nationality is not is not a protected characteristic in the law. That's what I am saying. But race, and we are we are talking about racial discrimination. No, we are talking about racial. No, no, sorry, Rebecca, we are talking about race discrimination. I think I think topic today, isn't it? If if I may, are we talking about race discrimination or not? Yeah, it's, it, we're definitely talking about race discrimination. It, it seems yes, like it seems like the suggestion is that there is a there is a dodge or a get around that people use. It's really about race discrimination, but they say it's about they yeah, say it's the nationalities. Does not equate to race. Yeah, yeah, right? but I mean, pe- people. I are, chi- some Chinese are of American nationality, yeah. or even some other countries. So, what's nationality to do with race? Nothing. Yeah. So, I mean, this this is where it gets a little tricky, I guess, is because ultimately you're trying to figure out what is inside people's heads when they make a decision to rent, exactly. to open a bank exactly. account. I, and agree with, I fully agree with you. That's, yeah. the, that's the difficulties in investigating this case. It is not the problem with the law. It's the problem with how we can investigate uh, the case. How yes. we can and get if there's the not a loophole, if residency status is going to be extended to all and it's not just to mainlanders. I think it will it will be very beneficial to um, everyone in Hong Kong. I mean, there, there is, for example, I, I mentioned earlier the fact that a lot of banks discriminate against uh, Americans and won't take them as clients. But there's a very solid business reason for that. American legislation means that banks have to do a lot of extra work that is time consuming and very expensive to take those people on as clients. Uh, it's a legitimate business decision. Right. It's just more right. expensive to maintain those people, but you could also claim it's discrimination on the basis of their nationality. Uh, and if you passed no, a law, no. you, you would be kind of forcing the bank's hands on a, on a very expensive business no, decision. No, not really, because the bank is actually following AMLO, the anti-money laundering ordinance. So they because, are not being discriminatory because they have to follow the anti-money laundering ordinance. But they, because of that law, they flat out decide they're not going to take American clients and they're quite explicit about it. It's quite, quite not common. Not that they're not taking... Well, this is a case that EOC has to, um, has to, has to decide on, right? Mm-hmm. Well, but then I, I think, because, the the, the, because this loophole in the law has been affecting many ethnic minority residents and also um, migrant domestic workers, Mr. as G- well as asylum seekers and refugees, yeah. and these yeah. are all ethnic minorities of Hong Kong. Mr. G, I know you have to go uh, very soon. And just before you go, I just want you to respond to uh, some some emails uh, that's just been sent again about our earlier conversation. It says that this one is from uh, Rick. He says, I object to being labeled a guaylo, which is both discriminatory and insulting. Where does this nonsense stop and start? And then another email says... Dear Backchat, one of your guests said that Guaylo would not be offensive if the person was not offended. So in other words, people like uh, our DAB representatives can keep disparaging Guaylos with impunity. The obvious purpose of this law is to demand respect for mainlanders. White or much less brown or black people can forget about any protection. And uh, also this one is uh, from Bill. He says uh, that when, when, I ri- when I arrived in Hong Kong 32 years ago from mainland China, I was told, do not let people call you and do not call yourself Guaylo. It's very rude. I cringe every time I hear it. Mr. Zhu, what's your response? Well, I, um, I just want to reiterate that uh, a verbal representation or any address to another party, uh, whether it's insulting or not, 
really de- sometimes depends on the reaction of that individual. And that's why there is no commonality that uh, can be drawn. But as far as the law is concerned, if, if you made a remark or you do something which is discriminatory, then you have contravened the ordinance. And to prove that, we need to prove mens rea and actus rea. So lodge a complaint and then let the professionals do their job. That is the answer to, to the queries. And also, I would like to point out, there is one provision clearly stated out in the race discrimination ordinance that forbids that uh, Hong Kong would launch into something like the uh, United States society uh, these days that create phobia whenever people want to use a particular term. Uh, because it says very clearly in, the, in our race discrimination ordinance that if you are talking about a matter that is true or a scenario that is happening or you report something factual or you are involved in discussion in some formal forums like uh, uh, teaching a lesson or uh, involving uh, speaking in a conference on a certain topic and those terms you use even it may be may be construed or interpreted by someone as having a discriminatory connotation, you, it may not render you uh, contravening any discrimination law. So the law is there. The problem is how to effectively uh, execute and enforce the law. If there is any error, then the law enforcers may be able to correct it. Only when the error is so fundamental that it lies with the wording of the law, then we go to legislators for amendment. Mm-hmm. So the system are there. Don't worry. All right, Mr. Chu, I know you have to go. Uh, thanks again for joining us this morning. And that's uh, Ricky Ju, the chairman of the Equal Opportunities Commission. And uh, still with us now is uh, Phyllis Chung and uh, also Silai uh, Shan, the deputy director of the Society for Community Organization. Uh, and Janice, if I may, Chris, uh, our, our speaker, uh, Ricky Chu, kept referring to mens rea. I Googled it up. It means a guilty state of mind. I didn't know. So I'm just making that clear for our listeners. But I mean, the, the guilty state of mind is the part that's hardest to prove. Am I right, Celia uh, Shan? Is, is that what you struggle with? Or Phyllis? The, the discussion is about, I mean, actually, the race, though, according to the uh, UN, actually can cover the nationality, citizenship, and uh, even for the numerous, actually, they advocate they should be a. Uh, 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 according to the ISQR, actually, they um, should uh, cover uh, in the uh, perspective of uh, the ground of uh, uh, place of origin. So, uh, because now actually the the, the race law actually uh, states that it's because Chinese China uh, people from from, from uh, mainland uh, from mainland because they are same race as Hong Kong, so they are not covered. In the, in the bill, but now uh, uh, the government they changed their attitude. They said they would they would include them, and then we legislated to include the immigrants as a ground, so they um, they were protected. So we we think it's good to to include the laws to include the immigrants and uh, and and under the ground of, uh, of such as. Um, uh, residency or a place of origin, something like that. Yeah, Missy, you must be uh, happy that uh, the law will, the new law will cover um, mainlanders. But what, what do you think about uh, ethnic minorities? Do you think the law should be amended to cover them as well? Yeah, I think so. If, if they can cover more, and actually, even if now the bill actually not cover the government behavior. So um, if if people they go to the government and face any discrimination, they, they it's hard for them to to uh, 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 lodge campaigns uh, under the law. 
And uh, Ms. Chang, I've just got a comment here from Dennis. And uh, he says that the, the Hong Kong ID card means that the holder has uh, to hold to has to hold a return permit. It doesn't represent your ethnicity. No. Um, well, we've actually looked at this matter for a long time. And um, if you are a, if you hold a Chinese um, passport uh, and like a non-Chinese person and um, parents without uh, Chinese nationality, uh, because since the Nationality Act, one has to um, one has to naturalize. And so your ID card, even if you're a permanent resident of Hong Kong, your ID card does not have three stars, that means you are not, um, you do not hold a Hong Kong SAA passport, i.e. Um, the passport is not just a travel document, but it actually signifies our nationality. Why do we still have the stars on there? I mean, like, I, I don't remember ever seeing any stars on mine, maybe because I never had them. <laughs> I mean, um, are, are you, do you hold a SAA passport? No, I've never bothered. No, I've been here 25 years, but I never bothered to get a passport. Right. If you don't have the um, um, passport, um, that me, and, and you're not naturalized, that me, um, you don't get the three stars. Mm, so they do yeah. still have it. I mean, why do they? Why do they still include it on the new on the new uh, ID cards? Right. I mean, to look at why, all you have to do is be able not? to identify. I mean, this, this is the distinction between a permanent resident and someone with a Chinese nationality, and this is how. It's been distinguished. Sure. So if you want to, if yeah. you want to make it so people don't discriminate on that basis, just take it off the card. I mean, or I'm not sure what purpose it serves. It's to all individuals and not just um, mainlanders if they're changing the law. And as um, Miss um, C just mentioned, actually, um, Hong Kong is obliged uh, to international human rights treaties, and um, um, ICRA Third have also recommended, you know, years ago since 20, 2005, that nationality immigrant status should be included because of the many difficulties that um, either new arrivals from the mainland or ethnic minorities are facing. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, we'll have to leave it there for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Phyllis Chung, the Executive Director of, the Hong, of Hong Kong Unison, and also Silei Shan, the Deputy Director of the uh, Society for Community Organization. It's now at 22 minutes past nine, and it's time for us to move to our final topic today, and uh, that is Halloween. Uh, more specifically, what's in store for the food and beverage industry this weekend? Are things going to be better this year? Joining us to give us his view is Alan Zeman, the chairman of the Lan Kwai Fong Group. Good morning, Mr. Zeman. Good morning. Thanks for joining us uh, this morning. So how's this weekend shaping up? Well, it looks like... Uh... <laughs> A very, very big weekend coming up. Uh, Halloween, as we all know, started in Lan Kwai Fung many, many years ago. And uh, it's, uh, you know, because of the problems with the uh, uh, virus, uh, people can't travel, all the other things. Business has actually been very, very good in the Lan Kwai Fung area the last four or five months. Uh, actually better than pre-COVID uh, days. Uh, and and uh, But tonight, uh, although the streets won't be decorated uh, this year much uh, due to the regulations, uh, there's plenty of fun uh, Halloween-themed decorations and special menus will be inside the Lai Kwai Fung restaurants and bars. Let Ellen, my, my 15-year-old daughter is already working on her mother and I to get permission to go out tomorrow night, you know, kind of night before Halloween. Well, it's, it's that, yeah, well, actually, it starts tonight because uh, normally, because it's, it falls on a weekend this year. And so uh, things, uh, you know, uh, it'll be, and, and the, the difference is this year a lot of it will be inside the uh, venues 
because uh, you know there's a lot of happy hour and dinner promotions uh, starting to celebrate Halloween, uh, and you know tonight actually, and uh, and then as well. Uh, there'll be, well, actually, a lot of the nightclubs have already started doing a lot of uh, Halloween themed parties this year, and they're pre selling tickets. And it's interesting to note that uh, pre sales and advanced bookings, uh, most, you know, almost many of them are already sold out or close to being sold out. So it's, it's um, really, you know, I hate to say, you know, the COVID is, is still on and everything, but we're very lucky in Hong Kong. And, uh, you know, and also it's uh, you know Halloween for me. Uh, kids come out early with their parents, and uh, although your daughter's 15, she's not a kid. But uh, you know, young kids come out, dress up, and it's a lot of fun. And we have uh, makeup artists uh, in some of the ven- you know some of the venues who will face paint the kids and face paint uh, some of the adults that want to be face painted. Uh, so it, it's just uh, uh, you know. Uh, it, it's 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 really a fun time. I look forward to it uh, every year. So, so and, you know. Mr. Zeman, do you have any estimate of how well bars will do this weekend? You know, Epic. in these circumstances, very very difficult to give you numbers. I know everyone likes to have numbers, but uh, I just think it'll be good. You know, the 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 thing is, uh, the other thing is that uh, um, you know the they've uh, the Lancaster Association has met with the police, and uh, you know there's safety uh, uh, measures put up, which are normal road closures, and, and they'll start on Saturday, and and. Uh, you know, it's uh, so uh, because of the COVID, of course, social distancing, all the things uh, hopefully will be followed. But, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's fun. This is one of the restaurants. Uh, I know they told me they're doing spooky treats and pumpkins painting for the kids, uh, including mummified sausages, sweet potato fingers with brains and Jack O'Ronnie. You know, so nice, I mean, fun. kids just love that. You know, it's it's it, it's it's a time. It's a fun time. I mean, we grew up with it when we were small, not in Hong Kong, but in North America. Sure. And, uh, it's kind of, uh, it's something that's, uh, it, it's a good, it's kind of a good, it's become a holiday, not just in Hong Kong, all over China and Southeast Asia. And, and Mr. Zeman, like you mentioned, uh, social distancing measures are yes. still in place. Uh, do you think uh, bars in the area will find it difficult to enforce the measures? I think that, listen, every weekend is like Halloween in, in the area. You know, I mean, the bars and restaurants, uh, you know, the, the good thing is they follow the codes very, very strictly. And if not, uh, the FEHD and police uh, do come around uh, from time to time and, and check uh, to make sure that uh, the patrons are vaccinated and, you know, check IDs and all that kind of thing. And I know there's always <laughs> headaches between the owners of the bars and, you know, try and not upset that OEFHD came in for a check and we closed this down for an hour. But, I mean, these are necessary evil. These are things that have to be done, should be done. And so, in essence, everybody now follows the rules. Otherwise, you get closed down for two weeks. Hey, and that's uh, very costly. Hey, Alan, so, so you, you know, you've got kind of different things going on where you've got, like, a, I don't know, like the LKF Meltdown Instagram account is suggesting Lan Kwai Fung's got its hardcore party vibe back. You're talking about kids. Some parts of Lan Kwai Fung have gone very upscale. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a real mix of all these different things. What, what is What is, and, you know, what is the vibe going to be, or is it, does it transition over the course of the well, evening? Well, it transitions early on. You know, uh, the real party people don't come out till late. Um, early on, you've got the 
parents bringing their kids around to see Halloween and see, uh, you know, and, and really it's, it's the people in the area that come are really a show. Many of them are not normal Lanquai phone customers, but normal, but traditionally what I've always noticed over the years, uh, people from all over Kowloon, Hong Kong, everyone comes over because it's kind of an event, you know, and so it's a place to bring your kids. It's like seeing the fireworks, taking them to the harbor during... during Gawkers uh, and photographers, they come because yeah. they want to see the costumes on other people yeah, and exactly, take pictures. Exactly, so it's a people watching yeah. thing. And then, as I say, because we could not do a lot of decorations this year outside, mm. of, you know, so the venues have decided to do it inside. And, you know, their staff will all be made up and in, in, in spooky costumes, that kind of thing. And there's really, uh, there's great promotions as well. I think some places offering 30% off and, and up to 50% in some places, you know. So it's, it's uh, I don't know, it's, it's especially in today's world with what's going on in the world, it's, yeah. it's actually a fun, you know, for People at least for two out. or three days, get your mind off all the... Uh, stuff that's going on. All right, so Alan, listeners of Backchat expect to be rewarded for their loyalty and listening to our show. They want the inside scoop. They got to know what is your costume going to be this year for <laughs> Halloween. We want to break it right here on Backchat. Come on, what do you got? Uh, I say come to Langkwai Fong and see. <laughs> no, no sneak preview for the listeners of Backchat. Come on, Alan. No come on, <laughs> give us the goods. <laughs> You're you're a legend in the dressing up category. I know, I know. Not something I'm proud of. That, to be quite honest. People love it. Come on. I know, I know. I did I do it for for that. All but, right. Uh, we'll see. And unfortunately we're out of time. But, okay. but thanks again, thanks Mr. Zeman, for okay. joining well, us. This happy morning. Halloween. See you in like my phone. Happy Halloween, okay. Alan. Happy Halloween. Bye -bye. And that's uh, Alan Zeman, the chairman of the Lang Kwai Fong group. Uh, also um Many thanks to all of you who commented through email or on our Facebook page. And, of course, a thank you, Andrew, my co-host for today. Always a pleasure, Janice. Loved it. And uh, now here's the weather. Um, it'll be a mainly fine uh, with a top temperature of around 28 degrees. Winds moderate east to northeasterly is occasionally fresh offshore at first. And the outlook cloudy with one or two rain patches over the weekend. Right now it's uh, 25 degrees, relative humidity 80%. Plastic bags, decorations, delivery packaging. They're all single-use plastic products. Indiscriminate use of single-use plastics is wasteful and will pollute our environment. Avoid using single-use plastics and make a good habit of going plastic-free at source. What and when to reduce? By how much? Share your views on the website of the Public Engagement on Control of Single-Use Plastics at susdev.org.hk on or before December 29th. It's 9.31, the news with Vicky Wong. The executive director of Green Earth, Edwin Lau, says it will be possible for CLP's new gas-fired generator to become carbon neutral if it is eventually tweaked to use green hydrogen, hydrogen gas that is produced using renewable energy. The $6 billion unit at Longkutan near Tunmon was put into operation last year, increase, increasing the ratio of natural gas used in its fuel mix by about 20 percentage points to 50 percent. The government is aiming for carbon neutrality by 2050. President Biden has announced a framework agreement on economic reform worth nearly two trillion U.S. dollars. It's the culmination of months of tough negotiations within his Democratic Party. The president quipped that not everyone got everything they wanted, not even me.
And Facebook is changing its corporate name to Meta. The move is designed to represent the brand as it expands beyond social networking and develops plans for a virtual world known as the Metaverse. It was announced by the CEO Mark Zuckerberg. I'll have more on these stories at 10 o'clock. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. Hello. How are you? Not too bad at all. Good morning. Leave me up, Scottish. Hello. You never Facebook chat with me, Phil. Good morning. He's got the Tom and Jerry type violence. It's a great experience if you just want to get a bit of zing. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning to you and welcome to Friday here on The Morning Brew with me, Phil Whelan. Big thanks to James for brewing your morning yesterday. So, 10.10 today. David Costello, who's the Consul General of Ireland to Hong Kong and Macau, is going to tell you about Gaelic Halloween. He's very excited about these. It's called S-A-M-H-A-I-N, but it's pronounced sound. It's actually a festival on its own, marking the end of harvest. But over the years, of course, the lines have blurred somewhat. Dave's mission is to find the Irishness in everything, and you'd be surprised just how much there is. Join him on Facebook Live. Danny Hicks with us after 11 with this week's Sports and All, and after 12, of course... It's marshy movie Halloween time, I'm sure. So join all the guys on Facebook Live. Morning Brew is our page. When I was six years old, I broke my leg. And I was running from my brother and his friends. Tasted a sweet perfume of the mountain grass I rolled down I was younger then Take me back to when I found my heart Broke it here, made friends and lost them through the years And I've not seen the boring fields in so long I know I've grown, but I can't wait Go home. I'm on my way, driving at 90 down those country lanes, singing to tiny dancers, and I miss the way you make me feel. It's real. Fifteen years old and smoking and rolled cigarettes Running from the law through the backfields and getting drunk with my friends 